0: Welcome to another episode of Speaking Through My World, where, of course, I speak about my three passions in life, and that is women, Africa, and the arts. Today, I want to talk about an organization, a movement, a family who are very, very close to my heart, who I've been very instrumental in following and um, admiring the work that they're doing, that they do, and have been doing, and that is the One in Nine campaign. This organization was established in 2006 as part of the rape trial of Jacob Zuma to ensure expression of solidarity with women um, in the trial and, of course, with other people who speak out. It's an organization motivated by feminist principles on the desire to live in a society where women are the, are the agents of their own lives. And I, whenever I talk about the one in nine, I always um, remember an, a, an incident and it happened around about 2008, and I was driving home from, from one of the court trials. And uh, for those of you who don't know, the one in nine, if you, if you need to pick them out in, in, in a group, uh, we, we're the ones wearing the purple T-shirts. And I remember we had left a very, very long day outside Johannesburg Court with exhibitions, with protests and so forth. And uh, I remember driving home and stopping at the robot and there was this uh, car guard or I think he was selling something, a vendor. And he came up to my window and he was like, what have we done now? And I was very confused. And I remember looking at him um, and saying, you know, what are you talking about? He goes, no, you know, whenever you see the purple T-shirts and a black woman is wearing them, you know that one of our brothers have fucked up. And that, for me, that day was so incredibly powerful because at that day, I mean, we always knew the impact that our voices were making. But that day almost solidified the impact that we made on the person on the street, on the average person on the street. So in studio today, we have um, my three warriors with me. I have Zama, I have Stone, I have Dumi, who have also been with the organization for a while. And we, we, we're just going to unpack on, on some of the things that, that they've been doing over the last couple of years. Over the years, the campaign has worked towards feminist movement building, strengthening advocacy around violence against women, amplifying the voices and agency of women on gender-based violence and, of course, on femicide. And then, of course, working with other organisations in pushing accountability, and of course, leadership from our government. And we're not even going to touch on the the, the work and the accountability, the lack of accountability that our government has. But but despite everything that's been thrown at us, despite the fact that 2018, our president said that we're living in a, our country's in a crisis in terms of gender-based violence, and it has been the CSOs like the One in Nine organisation have really suffered immensely. Yet they are still, still on the ground. They are still working. First of all, welcome to, to the podcast, all three of you. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank
0: you. <laughs> the, the, one of the initiatives of the One in Nine campaign is the Advocacy Media Print Studio, which was started in 2011. Could you just tell us a little bit more about what the studio is about and the, and the type of merchandise that you make?
1: Okay. M Studio is a, a, a printing studio. We print, print all things that have been printed uh, pamphlets, t shirts, banners, caps, everything that is printable mm-hmm. in the studio. So we, we, we print for the organization organization, so we print for other people.
0: Okay, so basically other corporate companies, if they need their merchandising done, they can actually just come through the, 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 the amp studios and then the money is then pumped back into, into one in nine campaign. Is that correct?
1: Yes, but we, 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 we choose the, 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 the people that we print for because we, we, are, we are a feminist organization. So our, our studio also runs with that principle of feminism. So mm-hmm. we... we we've pin for those people who are who are political
0: with that absolutely absolutely because also uh, remember you know that that the 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 campaign works in five areas and that is solidarity in action and and building feminist activism feminist knowledge through production and research which is what you're doing media advocacy justice legal transformation of course direct action Azama, do you want to tell us a little bit more about about amp studios and you know, information in case there's other people out there who are interested in the work that you do?
2: Yes. So when, when, we, when the One in Time campaign was under, um, under power, most um, corporate, cap, corporate companies that print didn't want to print our messages. So we sat down and decided, you know, how about if we form a group only consisting, consisting of women and empower those women and how to print? And then print our own messages because then we struggle when we want to print our own messages um, so that's one that's that the reason why we started the studio mm. um, to add on on that also we wanted to have an income our own in, uh, for the organization <laughs> where we could then the studio that the people that work at studio could be paid by the student not the campaign itself mm. um, and it, it it did well. In, in the years like in 2011 to 2014 it did well the struggle started when we moved over to from 2020 yeah. that's when we struggled to get uh, people to clean for and to have income so it depended on now donors which is not which was not the, the plan for the student. so yeah
0: i would uh, that's that's what i wanted to add okay thank you so much for that and and, and i'm glad that you you pointed it out that you know the people who are using the studio have been trained through the one in nine. So once again, it's it's putting back into the community, and and you know it's interesting. I'm not surprised that that when certain customers didn't want to print, because we know that our our government is run by the patriarchy, and and anything that is slightly feminist is seen as negative. It's seen as bad, and so the initiative to 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 take things into your own hands is incredibly incredibly important. So. So congratulations for that and kudos to, to, to the team behind that. Thank you. <laughs> you. Dumi, me, me. you've been working more on the ground with, with, with some of the initiatives that have come out over the last couple of years. And um, one of the things that, well, many of the things that I love about One in Nine is that you, you focus more on grassroots communities and you've got one campaign called the Saka Umbagati campaign. Do you want to talk a little bit about that?
3: Um, so, about around about last year, mm-hmm. we were working with a group from different organizations in the VAR. So, we realized that um, during our feminist political education, that in the communities around VAR, there's a lot of gender-based violence and femicide, especially towards women and children, obviously. Mm-hmm. Elderly women and the elderly. GBTI community, but we focused more on queer women. So the Saka Umpagati, uh, we started that campaign uh, thinking that, okay, since the community has a problem in gender-based violence, so we'll just rebuild the community. That's what Saka Umpagati means, rebuilding the community. So we had three dialogues under Saka Umpagati campaign. The first was uh, violence against women and children. How are we going to help the community and how are we going to help the community to help themselves rebuild that nation and fight against that violence? And then we moved to the elderly women, how the elderly women in the world are now called witches, are uh, being accused of witchcraft. And we wanted to educate the people around the world that elderly women... Go through phases, and there are illnesses like Alzheimer's and other sicknesses that they go through, and that make them forget things. Go around naked, and it does not mean that, that elderly woman is a witch or they practicing witchcraft. Mm. And also, we realize that these elderly women also have a problem with their grandchildren who steal their grant monies for drugs or other things, and beat them up. So we wanted to educate those children that these grant monies are for them to help their families. So we were building that nation, and we realized that lesbian women are being killed for just being lesbian, for their sexuality. So we also had a dialogue around queer women, educating people around the world about sexuality, what it means to be lesbian, and that being lesbian, you're also a woman. So, yeah, that's why we started the Saka Umpagati campaign, and we left it with the group in the VAL so that they can rebuild their own um, communities, and we're busy following up and seeing how they are doing and how they are working so that we can assist where we can.
0: Absolutely. and that's more
3: about the Saka Umpagati
0: thank you and and i'm glad you brought in that last bit because you know monitoring and evaluation is very very important especially with grassroots organization you know we live in a in a country where everything on paper is democratic but when it comes to yeah. the reality of trickling down to these organizations to the one in nine campaign not much really happens so so yeah. for those that are sitting in a in a in a, in a position of power um, and want to, to to assist in terms of the work that you do You're, if you had a wish a dream wish if you were a fairy godmother or a fairy feminist godmother <laughs> what would your what would your what would your message be and why why is it important for people to support the work that we do
3: so what we really wish for for those who are in power and those who can assist to see that we are not only doing this for money or for anything but we are doing this to uh be able to help women to empower women grow. So uh we would wish that those who are in power to be able to give out, donate what they can, fund us where they can, and see that the wish is just for women to be empowered, for women to see their growth in this world, because this world is really bad for women. Mm. So we would really wish that um if funding could if we could get funding, mm. not only for the one in nine campaign, but then for the like-minded uh, organizations also, because now funding is not really good in the NGO spaces. I think that's one of our greatest wish to get funding donations and help where we can mm. so that the vision can grow and be something bigger.
2: Just to add, just to add on on, on Tumi's wish. <laughs> Um, I would also, like, would like, I don't know if it's going to happen, but it's something I would like to see the government not only speak, but act on what they are speaking about. Like, for an example, uh, 16 days of activism. Like, why should it be uh, only 16 days? Like, um, a violence is happening, like, 365 365- days the whole year. Mm. So I don't, I don't understand why it should be limited into 16 days. So if maybe, I don't know, it should be practiced throughout the year, not just for 16 days.
0: Yeah. And also just not, yeah. not, not when it's a campaign. You know, Women's Day, suddenly yes. they want, they want, they want our support. Um, either one of you can answer the next question. And this is something that's very close to all of us, is that let's, let's talk about the impact it has on our bodies. As activists, we work with no medical aid. We work on a shoestring budget. What, what type of support do you think we should get in terms of, of moving forward and protecting our health? Because, because the sector that we're working in is not, it's not normal. Um,
3: I think one of the major impacts that it has on us is our mental well-being, our emotional well-being is not being stable because now having to deal with what women are going through also... In, uh, has an impact on us because we can see that the next day can be me mm-hmm. the next the next day it can be my sister um so I think the support that we need is emotional support, like Zama has said that the government should also act and not just say but then they should show their action in supporting us whether it's mentally whether it's emotionally, but then they should show us that um your work that you, uh, the work that you do, is appreciated, and the work that you do is well needed. And I think it can um, settle the, the 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 emotional strain that we also go through doing the work that we do. Because honestly, I really think that it's emotionally draining and mentally unhealthy for us. Mm. So we do need the debriefing. We do need the debriefing support, the counselling. Some of us do need to go to counselling and speak to someone about uh, the things that we see, even though they don't happen to us directly, but it does happen to us through another person. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know if somebody yeah. would like to add.
1: I I I also think that the government must take strong measures against like the, the people the perpetrators, because because every it's happening every each and every time, and then the government will be saying. I'll, I'll deal with it, but every every, every perpetrator comes uh, hand free mm. without any action. So if we are, if you know, you nothing about that, because at the end of the day, we know we can report or we can do this, but we are not safe because we meet all the, those perpetrators again. But at least if there is a, a strong measures about them, maybe they get logged or something, which will make us maybe feel safe at the moment. Good.
0: I'm glad you said that because also, you know, the, one of the standpoints that that One in Nine have always had is that we believe survivors, and 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 we've we've been harassed about that. But at the end of the day, our society and our judicial system have never ever supported survivors. It's always about having to prove something that happened to you that you didn't ask for. That what is and, and and in closing, I mean, this and anybody can answer this. One in nine and, and, and activism, black activism in, in South Africa has always taken it to the streets. So a, a lot of the work that, that one in nine has done is, is, has been in the streets and it's involved the community. In your opinion, why is it important to involve the community in the work that we do?
3: So like you said, that uh, society wants proof that something happened. And as uh, one in nine, we believe the survivor as um one of our slogan says that in solidarity with women who speak out so being in the street involving the community shows that we are with them whether the police believe them whether the police victimize them again whether they get secondary victimization from anywhere uh, involving that, involving them shows them that you are not alone there's someone who believes you out there so i think that's why it's important to be out there Uh, involving the community, so that also those people who don't believe them, those people who victimize them again over the victimization that they've had, they can see that, but it might be true. No, it's true that this happened, because even though um, we don't believe it, why is there someone believing this happened? Mm. So it can change mindsets, the narrative and the status quo of what's going on in the society and People will start believing that this is the way to go. Mm. If a survivor comes and says, "This is what happened to me," we should support them. Um, whether the courts, whether the government, whether the police uh, department believes them or not, we are with them, supporting them every step of the way.
0: Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for the work and 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 for your passion. And I suppose the next time we meet we'll we'll either be fighting a perpetrator or in the streets as we do.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thanks so much for your time, guys. And so that was uh, my comrades, my warriors, my sisters, Stumi, Stone and Zama, heading up such an amazing, amazing organization that that you know we still do a lot of advocacy work, and uh although the great warrior physically led because is not with us. We know that they're with us in, in, in spirit. Uh, this was a woman who dared to speak her truth. A woman who was publicly harassed, mocked, threatened and ridiculed by the public, by the media, by society at large, because she's one of many. This trial and what happened after, the aftermath, it was devastating. So much so that she was forced into exile out of her own country because her home was burned down. And in fact, the, the threats that she received was burn the bitch. This was not an isolated event. This was not an isolated incident. This is the regular treatment that women non-binary, queer folk, anybody who speaks out against any form of abuse will receive some form of intimidation. Some don't, some receive death threats, rape threats. Major, major impact on our lives through this intimidation. And so think about these realities when somebody does want to speak out, and more so if somebody doesn't want to speak out, because we know what society can do to us. We're not making this up. This was headline news. We saw what had happened, and yet the attitudes haven't changed. The violence hasn't stopped. Red culture is very, very much alive, not only in our society in South Africa, but globally. I always reiterate that our president in 2018 said that our country was in a crisis in terms of gender-based violence. It didn't just pop up in 2018. We've been living with this for decades. So as corporates, as we're ending the year, as we're entering the infamous 16 days of activism, if you really, really want to put your impact on stopping gender-based violence, Consider the realities on the ground. Many people ask why the the name, the one in nine campaign. Well, as I said, it meant it was, it started in 2006, but in 2005, the, the medical research council did a study on sexual violence and it indicated that one out of every nine rape survivors reported it to the police. That's how the name one in nine came about. We know now the statistics are far much worse. And remember, the statistics are based on cases that are actually opened at the police station. With this high level of intimidation, harassment, mockery that victims and survivors have to go through at police stations, at hospitals, in communities, a lot of cases aren't reported. So the stats are much higher. There's an incredibly high rate on the deaths of black lesbians in South Africa, and we're not talking about it enough. The high levels of abuse that transgendered people suffer on a day-to-day basis, we're not talking about that enough. What are you doing? How can you get involved? Not everybody is an activist, but as an organization, if you need merchandise, why not choose a feminist movement to produce the merchandise for you, to help you with the narrative, to change the narrative, to move away from the patriarchal and misogynistic narrative that we are so used to and have normalized. For more information, you can contact the one in nine. Just look at the, the body of this, of this podcast. Thanks so much for listening.